Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley, who I'll bet wishes he had a hand in uh, today's game because it might have gone a little bit differently. But, uh, but Ovi, how do you feel after watching, frankly, a debacle? Dude, yeah, we need to change the name of our uh, podcast from Believe in Falcons to I Don't Believe in the Falcons. Or, I don't believe <laughs> what I saw it. It's uh, just hard to I believe it a, when I see it, Falcons. Yeah, the believe it when I see it, <laughs> Falcons. Um, wow, wow, Will. I mean, gosh dang it. It was hard to watch. In fact, I think I stopped watching at several points. My my kids were uh outside jumping on trampoline and I had to come on check on them, make sure they weren't jumping <laughs> off trampoline uh, over the net and so i was like oh i can't leave because this game is so interesting uh, let me go check out my kids uh it, it was <laughs> rough to watch just because you hope that we give more fight i mean most intelligent football pickers pick the falcons to lose but not like that not like that yeah it's it's making you think uh vegas might be onto something <laughs> picking uh picking the cowboys minus nine to, to start that game but i i don't you know i i don't know what game uh you were talking about the one i was talking about was the one that i watched in person on saturday and that would be the uh the matchup between the three and seven western carolina catamounts and the nine and one eastern tennessee state buccaneers the 56 to 35 thrilling win by the nine and one Eastern Tennessee. No, I'm just kidding. I did see that yeah, game in person. I mean, well, uh, no one's watching those <laughs> games. <laughs> I, I was there. I was visiting uh, visiting my grandparents uh, up in Silva, North Carolina, not two miles from Western Carolina. So I got the chance to go see that game. You would love this though. Number eight, Jacob Sailors, 19 carries, 266 rushing Jesus. yards. Oh my god. Three gosh. touchdowns. Dude, that, it was oh, like Adrian wow. Peterson or Derrick Henry running a, over middle schoolers. And his backup running back, or maybe the starter, because the starter, I, I, he had 30 carries, 212 yards. The, the Eastern Tennessee rushed for essentially 500 yards That's against bananas. Western Carolina. And I was thinking about you the whole time, my friend. I just uh, I, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> I, I would love to have watched some good old fashioned smash mouth football. But uh, what was I doing on Saturday? I, don't, I wasn't doing anything on Saturday. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I would have made me feel better <laughs> with the Falcons loss. Watching some good football because what we watched today was not good or football. Yeah. And uh, so any Eastern Tennessee State fans out there, shout out. Congratulations to you. That's the last I'm going to mention about your uh, success or Western Carolina's uh, loss. We've got uh, unfortunately our our own sorrows to drown in today. Um, so let's take a quick break before we uh, dive deep into the uh, tears of today's blowout loss. 
look, gambling in sports, it's here to stay. Whether you like it or not, I know myself, I'm not uh, a huge gambler. I, I, you know, a fantasy football, kind of that's it. Um, but I've got some friends definitely into the uh, gambling scene and they like to take my advice uh, for what I have to offer. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know everything, but they like to hit me up from time to time. And when they do, I like to know what I'm talking about, uh, whether it be a, a big parlay that they have, a money line, the point spread, what have you. And Bet Online is where I go to learn about all of that stuff. So that when my friends hit me up and they want to know about all of the latest gambling lines, whether it be on the Darren Williams fight against Frank Gore, that's right. We got a former NBA player going up against a former NFL player, somebody who, frankly, might be immortal. Uh, I don't use frankly as a pun there. Frank Gore might actually be immortal. Um, that being said, Darren Williams, he's the favorite. So, yeah, minus 250 on the former NBA player. So if you like Frank Gore in this matchup, you NFL fans out there, head over to Bet Online, Check out those odds because right now you can get plus 200 on Frank Gore over at Bet Online. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Believe 50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Ovi, where, I mean, where do we even want to begin with this? Because nothing, nothing went right at all, at all. I mean, they, they, they kind of talked about Arthur or uh, Arthur Smith's decision to um, go for it kind of early on in the game instead of kicking the field goal, taking the points on the fourth and seven. Sure. But I think that that was pretty telling in that they understood where they had to be in this game. Dallas came into the game with the best offense in the league. Great run game, good receivers. Dak Prescott's an excellent quarterback. They have a good offensive line. There's not really many ways you get after this offense. And boy, did they show it. Uh, and, and so I think Atlanta knew that they were going to have to put up points. They tried to do that. Unfortunately, they only ever really got in position to be able to put any points on the board a couple of times. Um, man, they couldn't get anything going. I mean, where, where do, as a player, like, where do you even start to, to sink your teeth into a game like this? This is tough as a player. You got to, um, you know, two ways, two schools of thought on this. Uh, one school of thought is just, you know, forget it, wipe it clean. Flush it. You know, focus yep. on, on moving forward, especially with a short week. The other school of thought is that yes. you got to dissect every single, you know, second, <laughs> microsecond of this game to figure out what in the hell happened and to fix it. And that's me. That That's how I operate. I, I want to pour through the uh, the film and uh, figure out like what the hell happened because I mean these guys were one for eleven on third down one for eleven on third down I'm surprised they even got three points like it was on that one and mm-hmm. zero for two on fourth down like Dan Quinn came for his revenge he wanted his pound of flesh and he is the nicest brotherhood guy I've been making fun of his brotherhood and his cliches all year long and he's um, gonna come for you next oh, Toby. Yeah, watch def- out definitely come for me next but uh, <laughs> he, he came for the Falcons. And he came for Matt Ryan's throat and came for this whole team. And he made a statement. I mean, man got the game ball because in the nicest way possible, he's like, y'all should have let me go because I could have made you this good. You know, he never, it's, it's talent. It proves it's talent right there because 
Dan Quinn is a good coach, but he never really had Thomas Dimitrov didn't give him the talent that he needed to really coach. I'd say he's better of a defensive coordinator or more of a defensive coordinator than a head coach because he didn't manage uh, uh, us the way we needed to be, you know, minus that one Super Bowl run. But nah, it was it was so bad. It was so so very bad. And uh, end of the day, big revelation is that we're not ready. We don't have the talent. We uh, have one or two or three NFL caliber guys on each side of the ball. Besides that, we're just a bunch of guys. Well, here's here's what I think I've actually started to realize with Dan Quinn is he's somebody who really bets on his ability to develop players. And I remember when I first started working for the Falcons um, in 2017, right after their Super Bowl run 2016, one of the hottest teams in the NFL never got more national attention than that first year that I was working there. Peter King was stopping by all of the big Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, like all of these national media guys swinging by Flowery Branch for training camp to, to check out the Falcons. Uh, I've got a picture of, of the very first training camp practice. Man, they there are more fans there on the hill in Flowery Branch than probably in Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, for that Panthers game two weeks ago. Uh, so just to give you an idea of, of where we are with the Falcons, um, not in a great spot, but I remember them talking so much about a plan D. And that was planned development. And they wanted to really mm. develop these young players who they believed were talented. And that kind of boils down to what I think is really the main disconnect between Dan, Kin, Dan Quinn, the head coach, and Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. I think he really values talent necessarily over final product in terms of somebody coming into the NFL. You always hear about guys who are kind of really high floor players, maybe a lower ceiling, but you know what you're going to get right away. Plug and play. They can contribute from day one. And then you've got guys like Devondre Campbell, who are more of a project player who come into the league, but you draft him and you take a chance and you say, hey, all of the tools are here. If we can get him and develop him into the player we know he can be, he could be a, an all pro in this league. And I think Dan Quinn tends to lean more towards that latter category. But when you're a head coach, you can't necessarily dedicate all of the resources of your time to personally seeing the development of those players. And that's where I think you see kind of now the disconnect with Atlanta. You get a player or a coach like Dean Pease, who is very scheme oriented, very much wants to have intelligent players who operate and understand his scheme and the nuances of his scheme. And I don't know if they necessarily have some of those players in place. And that's why it's going to be a little bit of a, of a slow build. Dan Quinn's system and scheme, simple. He wants his players to play fast, he wants them to play to their strengths. I think Dean Pease wants the players to play to the scheme and play to the system and trust the system in the way it's supposed to work. And that's where I think you're seeing a huge learning curve um, for the Falcons defense that I don't think is there with the, the Dallas defense because I think they got players. Now they're getting kind of the freedom to make plays. And boy, did they. And they shut down Atlanta's offense. What do you think shut about the down. way Matt Ryan played today? Uh, what do you think about Matt, Matt Ryan's game? Matt Ryan had one of his worst games ever. I think uh, one of his interviews, he said that uh, <laughs> he realized that it's one of his worst passer ratings, uh, worse in 13 years. He said, 21.4. Uh, 21.4 is his passer Jesus rating. Christ. That That is uh, insanely low. He, I mean, it said, uh, I think he said, hopefully it'll be another 13 years before I have another rating like that and kind of chuckled it <laughs> off. But uh, yeah, hopefully it will be another 13 years because uh, you can't do that and... Uh, keep uh your 
starting job as an NFL quarterback. If that is turns into your new normal, you'll be out the league. But again, Matt Ryan he, he threw for 117 yards. That sounds like what I would put up on a golf course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the problem was that <laughs> 117. He had no, that's yeah. I mean, he had no help. Matt Ryan. He had and Dan Quinn knew he watched film and we talked about this uh, in our last podcast, yep. which I'm sure everyone listened to um, about Quinn knowing Matt and Matt knowing uh, Quinn. And we thought that Matt would have the upper hand with that. But, you know, Dan Quinn, uh, I was like, you know, Matt mm-hmm. been in the league so long. He thinks like a coach. But Dan Quinn, I forgot, is the actual real live coach. And, he uh, he yeah. out schemed not just Matt Ryan, but, you know, the whole team, especially that offense. But Matt had no help. Matt had no help on the run game. Matt had no help with the people who were supposed to be blocking for Matt had no help, period. And Matt tried to put this whole thing on his back and do too much, which ended up backfiring uh, with interceptions and just, you know, missed opportunities. And it was uh, it, it was ugly. But, you know, I, I like your breakdown of how, you know, Dan Quinn has the ability now to develop players uh, versus the way Dean Pease is trying to get them uh, to kind of understand the system and play within the system. Uh, I think, you know, the same kind of applies right now with Matt Ryan and this offense. You know, we, we would love to develop our players, but we just don't have the time right now. Oh, and, and, you know, Alameda yeah. Zacchaeus, yeah. you know, he's he's getting better. He's, he's developing. But, you know, this is not the unfortunately the, the year for these guys to bloom overnight or to have these uh, inner awakenings and become, you know, all-star pro bowl or even top notch NFL players. We just don't have that in, in about two years. Some of these guys will turn into, I think NFL caliber players, but we don't have that time. Yes. And the, the title of our last episode was, you know, the Falcons head to Jerry world for a measuring stick game. and. I'm going to stand by that headline for better or for worse. This was measuring stick game and the Falcons got their asses kicked. And that's the measuring stick is they're not centimeters. They are not inches. They are feet and miles away from, from at least be like, sure, sure. They, there's a seven seed in the, in the playoffs now for whatever that means. But realistically, when we sit here and we talk about the Super Bowl. We're talking about four, maybe five teams. And, and that's because we're only halfway through the season. By the time we reach December, early January, we're going to know uh, the, the three teams that are probably favorites for the Super Bowl. And the one team that we all feel is kind of the, the dark horse that nobody wants to face that maybe has an uphill battle. Um, but, but, could stay, but, like that, but that's all we're talking about is, is four, maybe five teams when all is said and done. And are the Falcons one of those teams? No, they're not. And, and, and maybe we thought that they could sneak into, in, into kind of that, that wild card consideration. And, and look, they still can, um, because this is actually where I want to transition um, the rest of this conversation, because I don't want to make too much out of a loss that, frankly, they should just flush out of their systems. Uh, it, this this is such a bad loss. It's one of the worst losses in franchise history that it, it's kind of one of those where if you're Arthur Smith, you you get you get on the plane. Uh, no, no, you get into the locker room and you say, look, guys, you have until we get on this plane. You have until we take off and then you have until our wheels touch down in Atlanta to think about this loss, to think about ways to get better. 
and then it is out of your mind. And we are on to New England because we've got a short week. That is a great team coming off of its own dominant victory. Uh, but we've got a season in front of us and we've got to turn this thing around and we've got to figure out uh, a way to make it work. That's the message from Arthur Smith. So, so I don't want us to dwell on this too much because I don't think the team will. But do you have any kind of last thoughts on, on just this performance today before we maybe kind of turn the metaphorical page and start? Because I don't know if we're going to get a chance to record a podcast before Thursday night's game. Um, so we might, we might do a, a little, a little uh, half, and, half and half here and uh, do, a, do a recap and a preview all in one. Um, is there good. anything else that really stood out to you, though, in, the, in this Dallas game? Uh, I, I think you, um, you know, you mentioned it that this is the measuring stick game. And uh, I, I, I joked about how Falcon fans can't get their feelings hurt if they don't have high expectations and they shouldn't. And <laughs> this would yep. uh, have served them well if they listened to me, because this kind of just solidified it, it made it 100 percent clear for anybody who was you know, teetering. And I wasn't teetering after the Saints, uh, you know, debacle where we barely won and we shouldn't have won. I, I was. When people show you who they are, believe them. That's what my wife says. My mom says, you know, all the time. People show you who they are, believe them. The Falcons have shown us who they are. And and there are some like diehard Falcon fans that still click their heels together and still want it to be more and still wish it to be more and still say, but maybe, right, we, you know, this, Dennis Allen, <laughs> you know, this might be possible if we uh, look at it in the right light. If you squint one eye, the Falcons are a playoff team and we can sneak into there okay, and, and then this- get hot right. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> we are a team that I don't even think but we're going to. the Braves, to Ovi. The Braves. I, see, that's the but problem. The Braves. The Braves <laughs> gave people this. The Braves and the Hawks. Gave y'all hope. Gave, gave y'all hope. Fans, this crazy, unrealistic hope that you know, you'll never say die. Stop it. The Falcons are not a playoff team. They are not a Super Bowl team. They won't be a Super Bowl team next year either. Uh, I think it's going to take them, you know, this year. Next year, if we get to be a, a playoff team, that's wonderful. A year after that, let's see if we can become Super Bowl caliber. But for this year, don't expect anything. Try to develop your players. If you win it, great. If you lose it, fine. This isn't about winning and losing games. This is about finding a way to build a foundation to make a, a, a solid team for years moving on. So the the, the good thing about the, the Cowboys not just beating us, but shellacking us, is that it probably knocks some sense into every you know, level-headed fan regarding where we are with this season. Uh, is it does this ever happen though? Uh, and and I promise we'll we'll move on real quick after this. But I'm curious, just as a player, has a coach ever because the Falcons had their bye week in week six, the earliest possible bye week in a game like this where you are, I believe it was what thirty six to three at halftime. Has yeah. a coach ever just kind of been like, hey guys, pack it in? Uh, it's it's a you get a second bye week. You know, I, I know it's never probably said in that in that kind of words. You know, there's probably a, a couple of explicitives uh, or expletives thrown in there. But, you know, uh, it seemed like that was kind of Arthur Smith's move here because they threw in the uh, the reserves pretty quickly in the fourth quarter. So I'm wondering if if maybe this is a little bit of a strategery on uh, on Arthur Smith's part uh, to, to just kind of say, hey, look, guys, get some rest short week let, let's go let's go after new england i mean absolutely when you're getting beat that bad uh you know you're right there's some exclusives laced in there and saying that hey 
you guys didn't get it done. And part of it was lack of effort. <laughs> yeah. when, when it's that bad, it's not just talent. You'll probably see some guys quitting on themselves, which is just a no-no. And uh, the third and fourth quarter, shoot, the second quarter, was a big indication on who are the, the guys who are going to be a real important, you know, reliable part of this team because you learn a lot about somebody when you see how they fight when there seems like there's nothing to fight for except for their pride and, and for each other. Cowboys and, scored um, 29 points in the second quarter. Yeah. 29 points. It was it was 7 to 3 going into the second quarter. It was 36 to 3 going into halftime. Insane. It was, the whole thing was insane. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Yeah. Yeah. So most times they're not going to say, hey, guys, uh, uh, pack it in. You know, let's you know, take a break. No, they're they're kind of punching them, punishing them and saying, hey, second, second team, first team can do Jack. Let's see what you got. You know, let, let show, show them yeah. how to fight, how to, you know, claw and, claw and scratch. And and um, it probably is a little early bye week for for Matt and the crew. But for some of those guys, they, they didn't deserve a bye week. Like, you know, Mike Davis just sat his behind in there and kept on playing that's what i was saying i i was it, saying the exact it, same thing i think it's out. telling it's telling right that like he that they put wayne gallman in there to get most of the kind of garbage time runs i was very surprised by that because to me you've got a player who you brought in here to kind of be your de facto guy i don't know if mike davis has earned the right to sit out a blowout to me it's like we got to see what you can do dude so congratulations you're in here we're going to hand you the ball 20 times in this fourth quarter. If you're our number one guy, you're going to figure out a way to get 100 yards out of that. So here you go. You got a chance. Uh, I, I, was, I was shocked they gave a lot of those carries in the fourth quarter to Wayne Gallman because, frankly, I don't know if Mike Davis has, at least when we've heard Arthur Smith say that this is going to be a team that is based on um, adversity and you're going to have to earn your right to play and we are going to. Um, you know, really make everybody compete and earn their roles and no spot is given. That kind of seemed to to fly right in the face uh, of that type of mentality of um, kind of competition that it seems like Arthur Smith has been preaching to then say, okay, well, Mike Davis, you haven't really done much all year long, but because you're our starter, we're, we're going to let you take this fourth quarter off, this second half off, even though we're getting blown out. I don't know how I how I feel about that. Yeah, a part of it could also be because uh, they just given up on him. They want to say like, all right, you know, Mike, you probably ain't gonna be here next year. What, what does Wayne Gallman have? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, Mike. That's be interesting. Given, yeah, yeah, he shouldn't be given any type of uh, uh, you know benefit of the doubts after benefit or of the doubt. he's given us to this yeah. point. So I don't know, man. It's it was an ugly game. It you know bad taste in my mouth. It. My food tasted bad after watching that Falcons game. I, you know, <laughs> I've made some garlic crab and, you know, couldn't enjoy all the garlic because it's just a bad taste in my mouth to watch these darn Falcons lay that that fat egg. And again, you knew they're going to lose. You knew that they didn't have much talent, but you thought they would fight a little bit harder. And you thought that, you know, our coaching staff could out, out scheme, at least go toe to toe with the, the, the minds on their coaching staff. And we just got beat on every, you know, spectrum. Absolutely. And I, I would say that you could maybe enjoy some, uh, I don't know, some New England clam chowder or, or whatever to kind of wash that taste out of your mouth. But unfortunately, they're coming back down to Atlanta. You're going to have to head to the varsity or, or Gus's uh, fried chicken 
uh, I don't know, maybe you can go with uh, with lemon pepper Lou and, and head over to Magic City, get some uh, some of that taste in uh, in your mouth. But you yeah, the Falcons got to we got <laughs> the Falcons got to change the flavor uh, of of what's going on. But they've got the suddenly red hot New England Patriots uh, coming to town for a Thursday night matchup. I mean, Falcons are coming off of their own blowout loss. Patriots with a really, really impressive 45 to 7 win against the Cleveland Browns, who, you know, I know we're without Nick Chubb, but this is uh, it, Cleveland's one of my favorite teams in the NFL. I think they are yeah. really complete. I think they've got a great roster. Um, you know, I, I know they're, they've been in the news with the Odell Beckham stuff and Baker Mayfield and all of that, but I, I just think, you know, Football games are really, really won by the depth and talent of an, an entire roster. We can talk about a, a single player like Odell Beckham, but it's really your right guard that, that's going to win a game for you, or it's really yeah. your, your left outside linebacker who's going to make that key tackle on third and three that, that forces them to punt in the middle of the game, and, and you win by three later on. Like it, It's those types of players, and I just think Cleveland has a great roster. Nevertheless, New England absolutely shellacked them and that is now the fourth win in a row for new england they have beat the new york jets the los angeles chargers the carolina panthers and the cleveland browns three of those wins i respect the hell out of yeah uh the last three actually um and so so this is going to be a really tough matchup i think for atlanta but as a player how do you bounce back from a loss like this Uh, you know i i know i said kind of wipe it uh, get it out of your mind, focus on the next game. But I kind of feel like Arthur Smith and his staff need to use this more as, like we said, this was a measuring stick game and you guys got every possible body part handed to you. Um, and, and so what are you going to do about it? Uh, how would you take this as a player? Oh man, this this would, like, it would burn me to, like, to my innermost, deepest, you know, Spirit, old core, it would just burn me up because this is a I, ghost pepper burn. Oh, I, absolutely. Because, you know, I, I I hold grudges. I'll be honest with you. This is a, a little insight to me. I hold grudges and I'm working on this. But um, I <laughs> would feel that the fact that, you know, Dan Quinn was able to go, Dan, any boo boo. Hey, you guys should, should have, shouldn't have cut me. I, I, I beat you. Like that would irritate me. That would, that would just bother me. And uh, but, you know, as a player for the Falcons, I want to get this out my mind as soon as possible. The best way to do that is to win. But I do want to figure out what did I do personally? What did my you know position room uh, do personally? What did my side of the, of the ball, offense, defense or, or even special teams, which, again, had another um, poor performance? What did we do that made us lose this bad? And how can we make sure that doesn't happen again? So. We got to look at the tape. You know, we we, we got to look at the tape short week. You know, we're not going to look at it as much. There are some key things that we have to highlight to make sure we don't let happen again. Because guess what? The Patriots are watching this game. They're like, all right, well, let's just do every single thing that the Cowboys did. And then we'll beat yep. them, you know, by 40 points as well. And that's <laughs> usually a good way to win unless we plug up those holes. So the Cowboys got shellacked the game before they saw us and they fixed those things and we weren't able to capitalize on them. We need to do the same thing the Cowboys did. We need to find a way to let this motivate us and play a team which the Patriots will always have a 28 to 3, you know, spot in Falcons fans' hearts. So beating them, beating Bill Belichick 
you know, is something that matters to the city. It's almost like the Saints. It, it matters to the city. We don't want to, um, you know, lose uh, to the Patriots, and especially uh, lose to them in any sort of bad fashion. I'm actually going to that game. I haven't, um, you know, every year they have oh, yeah? a, nice. my first game in like two years. Uh, they have us do a meet and greet and sign some autographs. And so uh, I got chosen for this game, which is actually exciting because I want to see what's going to happen. So uh, I'll be there <laughs> live and in person first game and uh, we'll be able to you know, do a, a wonderful, uh, you know, story that talks about what my eyes actually saw in person uh, when it comes to the Patriots and the Falcons. Look at that. We've got our own Believe in Falcons live correspondent, Ovi Mahaley. We're, we're going to, it's not going to be on the podcast next week, but at some point, I guarantee on Thursday night, I'm just going to look at my wife and I'm going to say, and now we go live. And she's going to say, what the hell are you talking about? I'm going to say, never mind. And then we'll record later that night. I'm talking uh, to myself. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm very excited that you're going to get a chance to go there. Weird things happen on Thursday night in Mercedes Benz stadium. Good, good things usually for the Falcons. Uh, I've, I've been to a number of, of excellent games that the Falcons have really shown up for, uh, that they had no business really kind of being in and, and being competitive and they've managed to, to steal some victories on Thursday night. So I hope, look, that could be the case, uh, because this is setting up to be a game that the Falcons really have no business being in uh, New England's defense is again one of the best in the NFL. They are wow. allowing the fourth fewest points among all NFL teams, and we just saw what the Falcons did against uh, Dallas defense. That frankly, not been that great. Uh, their numbers are going to look a whole lot better after Sunday. Uh, but New England's defense is legit. Their offense, fine. You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of flip flop. It's Dallas's offense was their bread and butter. It was the best in the league, frankly, and and it looked every bit like that uh, today against Atlanta, New England with Mac Jones. Um, Damian Harris was out today. They've they've struggled to really get their passing game going, um, but they are kind of like middle of the pack. It's it's really more like third down. They've been very efficient. Um, they they're able to kind of control the ball and they score points. They're efficient with with their ways to kick field goals, put points on the board. Nick Folk has been a, a really good kicker so far this year. Um, but honestly, this is kind of looking like, uh, as much as I said this past game was a measuring stick game, I meant that more in a way where it was kind of like, where do you measure up in the NFC? With this, it's more of kind of a coaching, I think, measuring stick game because Arthur Smith comes from Tennessee where Mike Vrabel is the head coach. Mike Vrabel, obviously longtime linebacker in New England with Dean Pease and Bill Belichick, coached then under Bill Belichick, comes from that tree. Arthur Smith strikes me way more uh, as, as kind of like a Bill Belichickian disciple than uh, like a Pete Carroll disciple, which is what Dan Quinn was. So I'm really curious to see this from kind of like a chess match standpoint and, and the logistics and the scheme of how these two teams go about attacking each other. Um, I think that this could be a, a lower scoring game, could be in like the 24-21 range. But to me, this is a game on coaching. Uh, I feel like they lost to the, the Cowboys today because the players really couldn't do anything. And this is unfair to kind of put this next game on the coaches. But A, it's about how the coaches coach uh, Monday through Saturday. And then B, it's, it's going to be about how can they, can they outcoach Bill Belichick and, and his guys 
on Sunday, figure out a way to not let the game get out of hand like it did today. Um, and like the Patriots were able to do against the Browns. What are your quick thoughts on, on Patriots uh, Falcons on Thursday night? My quick thoughts on Patriots Falcons is that um, Bill Belichick has uh, found something special in Mac. And um, he has found ways to win uh, without Tom Brady. I think they're going to work uh, in the future because, you know, as much as we hate to say it, uh, even though Tom right now is winning with the Super Bowl in hand, Bill can coach longer than Tom Brady can play quarterback, I think. And Bill's going to keep on winning uh, <laughs> way on into the future. And I don't think he's going to stop until he has many more Super I love that you had to say, I think, though. Yeah. That's insane to me that you, that that the caveat had it, and and with good reason too. I think yes. yeah, I, Tom Brady can win the MVP award this year, dude. He's crazy, and, and Tom Brady might, you know, <laughs> just out of spite, keep on just playing to make every yeah. quarterback in the league mad. But uh, but no, uh, I think that you know this is is going to be a, a coaching uh, measuring stick for our, our team, and uh, I don't have much confidence that, especially after this game against the Cowboys, that our coaches are going to pass it with flying colors. Like we mentioned before, they're still getting to know our players and they're still trying to find ways to deal with the yeah. deficit of talents and find ways to, you know, we, we have no Calvin Ridley. We, we have no, uh, um, you know, a lot of our, our biggest players and our, our best players are gone offense and defense. And so we're, we're piecemealing a team together. And Bill Belichick has been doing that for the longest time. He's been playing with nobodies and making them great. So he knows how to do that. <laughs> we're, we're going to, I think, learn a lot from this game. I think we're going to lose this one, uh, unfortunately. But uh, it's going to be one that I think is going to make us better in the long run. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's I could see this being one of the games where the Falcons actually do do find a way to win it. So I'm not because again, I, I think there's a lot of stock to put into a humbling experience like this. Uh, and, and I think there's something to say, whether you're at the professional and the NFL level or you're in Pee Wee football, um, there's kind of something about just getting your ass kicked and handed to you and, and having that humiliation that really does kind of like set you back on your, on your course. And refocuses you and and kind of hurts your pride a little bit and, and you get back to work and, and you kind of come out and you show all of these guys are in the NFL for a reason. Uh, I mean, they're, they're more than capable of doing the exact opposite to this exact same Dallas Cowboys team. I mean, on any given Sunday, like I know it's such a cliche to be like, well, on any given Sunday, but <laughs> like that, that matters for a reason because you guys are all pros. Like you, anybody can come out here and, and just absolutely light it up. It's really the concerted effort and the psychological kind of snowball effect of when you put up 26 points in the second quarter. Yeah, everybody checks out because you put up 26 points in the second quarter and it's kind of like, all right, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do here. What, what more do you want from me? I, I, I'm not turning this game around myself. So it's a little bit of a gut check, but the fact that they kind of, I think, by midway through the third quarter, were probably able to mentally put this game behind them and start thinking about the next game on a short week, especially, could work in their favor. Now, the Patriots, on the flip side, able to do the exact same thing because they came out on the winning side of a blowout themselves. They're able to pull their guys, and their guys have the benefit of the confidence. Um, but 
I think that the Falcons being in so many close games recently and winning those close games may have led to a, a little bit of a self-confidence that I don't want to say is unearned, um, but but might have been a little bit of, of fool's gold. Uh, and so I think that this is a good humbling experience for where they should be on the course, which is what I think Arthur Smith has been preaching all along, which is incremental growth, get better each week, put your best foot forward each week. Doesn't matter if we win or lose. We just don't want to have a 43 to three game. Oh. You know, we, we want this to be 27, 24 on the road against a competitor. Sure. Even if it's a loss, that's good. We'll take it. Tip your hat, go home. We were in there. We were fighting. 43 to three is embarrassing. Guys, what, what are we doing? Here? And that's not what Arthur Blank signed up for. That's not what Arthur Smith signed up for. It's not what Terry Fontenot signed up. Like these guys are going to get an earful. I mean, their flights already landed, but what was that plane ride, right? Plane ride like? Uh, plane ride was, uh, was rough. It's going to be very quiet. Like I, I wish somebody would be kikiing and laughing and joking and, and you know having a good time. It's like, are you serious? Like, it, it, from, oh man, I've had it happen from uh, when I was with the. Hey, Bulls. shut the. Yeah, up. exactly. From the Ravens <laughs> to the Falcons, you know, when we had some really bad losses, these dumb, dumb a rookies, you know, uh, come from college, be like, "Hey, man, I'm just you know having a good time, man." Just laughing, joking, maybe they even dress <laughs> out like they didn't play much yeah. and just you know. Uh, watching a movie, maybe watching a Kevin Hart movie or a stand-up special, just laughing. You can't laugh, like you like it. Just shows that you just don't care. Like it's it's nothing to you. Like I've seen guys get cut, you know, or or get cussed out, you know, pulled in the back and get yeah. cussed out for that stuff. So it was a very quiet plane ride back. You know, guys just kind of just went home, licking their wounds, not talking much. Is that more players? Is it players or coaches who would who would be getting in each other's grills more? Uh. I'd say um, the coaches, uh, the, the, some of the players, you know, don't care and be like, oh, just put it behind us. But, you know, some of them really, yeah. uh, especially on more veteran teams, like they're mad. They're really mad. They take it to heart. Like, like you know, this is the something coaches? that, you know, uh, well, the, the players do. The coaches, they take it to heart because no, the players do. OK, yeah, it's their livelihood all the time. So um, so it's always the coach taking it harder because they could get fired. Like They're thinking about their job job. Like. <laughs> They can get yeah, granted. Yeah, yeah, they they have guaranteed contracts, but still, no one wants to move your family around from you know squad to squad. With the players, it's like, all right, did I do my job? Did I do what I was supposed to do? Right, you, right. Yeah. Even if you didn't do your job, even if you did do your job, if you're losing games, you the can be the best. Team is your job. Yes. Yeah. You can be the best, you know, linebacker coach ever. But if you're losing game after game after game, Jacobs get fired. <laughs> everyone's gone. Yeah. No, exactly. And I mean, that's honestly, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you and I, I feel even weird comparing myself to you in this way, but like we've been inside of the building uh, when, when losses have happened. It gets tense. Buttholes oh, yeah. get tight, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, like it's it's uh, it's not great. People are walking on eggshells. All of a sudden, those uh, those Tuesday nights players are, are, are off. If at least under Dan Quinn, Tuesday's players are off. But coaches I mean, I'm leaving the facility at this time now. It, it's getting dark at, at six o'clock. I'm leaving the facility at, at 7.15, 7.30 some nights on, on a Tuesday. All of the coaches are in the, uh, the cafeteria getting dinner. Maybe their families have come up to say a quick hello uh, while they've got a 25-minute dinner break. 
in the in the Falcons cafeteria that they've eaten breakfast, lunch, and now dinner in, and then they're going right back upstairs to uh, to get back to work uh, against New England. So that's what a lot of coaches are are kind of doing tonight, Sunday. If you're if you're listening to this uh, Monday, they're doing that tomorrow on Tuesday. They're doing that Wednesday. So I mean, the coaches are are working to get this fixed. The Falcons are working to get this fixed, but it's clear after today that a lot of work still remains to be done. So Ovi, let's let's leave it here. What's the biggest thing that that you saw today that the Falcons need to get cleaned up? For me, I think it's I think it's still the offense. I know that the Dallas put up 43 points, but I expected this to be a shootout. I think the defense is further along than the offense. If you're Arthur Smith, you came here to get this offense sorted out. You've got a quarterback in Matt Ryan. You've got arguably the offense player of the year in Corderell Patterson, and you've got the number four overall pick in Kyle Pitts. Sure, I know Calvin Ridley's been out. I know you traded Julio Jones, but like you got to get it more. You got to get more done with with what you've got here. Um, what what do you see out of this team? Yeah, out of this team, uh, um, you know, we mentioned it two or three or twelve times, but it's just the talent's not there. We we don't have the talent. You you mentioned a couple of big names on offense. Okay. The defense, I think, is, uh, you know, we're, we're ranked 25th, 28th, 22nd, 30, 32nd. We're always near <laughs> the bottom of the league in defense. And that's why we went defensive coach Mike Smith, defensive coach Dan Quinn. Like, you know, forget it. Let's just do offense. Let's just try something different. But uh, at the end of the day, this is a team that got beat because we're not as good as the team we played man for man. Uh, and you go down the roster, we just don't have the guys who are big enough, fast enough, strong enough, you know, have the football IQ, can fight hard enough, have the motor uh, across the board. We, we, we don't have it. We have a couple of bright spots, but that's it. We play a team that is, you know, loaded with bright spots. That's this is what happens. So um, I think uh, hopefully Terry Fontenot is uh, already looking into free agency and looking at the uh, draft and seeing who we can get to plug in these holes so we can compete next year. I, I hear you on all of that, but I, I'm sitting here just looking at the, the box score and I'm, I'm seeing Atlanta 0, Dallas 7, Atlanta 3, Dallas 7, Atlanta 3, Dallas 14, Atlanta 3, Dallas 21, Atlanta 3, Dallas 28, Atlanta 3, Dallas 36, Atlanta 3, Dallas 43. And sure, you could sit there and be like, well, that's a lot of, of high numbers for Dallas that you're putting up. To me, I, j- I just look at the Atlanta 3 kind of down the column and I'm, I'm looking around the league. There are not many three to nothing games <laughs> that are being won uh, in the NFL. I mean, sure. Green Bay won seven, putting up 17 points. Uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh tied at 16, but you got to put up at least 20 to kind of win in this league. And, and you've got Matt Ryan, you've got Kyle Pitts, you've got Corderell Patterson, you you've got these guys. I I need a little bit more out of Atlanta's offense. That's true. not to say that this That's game true. would have felt any better if it's if it's forty three to twenty. You know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that that like that that changes anything because it doesn't. And and Atlanta's defense has to be a part of this as well. And I I think that's what Arthur Smith wants is the balance of winning a game twenty seven twenty four. I think he is like all in on on those types of victories where it's, it's just all phases of the game. But honestly, what coach isn't, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a coach's a coach's a, a freaking fantasy it is just a, a 21, 18 win. we grinded it out, we got it done. Like, sure. What coach doesn't want that. Um, but 
Falcons got to do better than they did on Sunday. 43 to 3, they are now back under 500 for what the millionth time this season. Uh, they're four and five. They've got the New England Patriots on a on a short week. Um, Patriots look really good right now. They've got uh, arguably the best coach in the NFL, uh, a rookie quarterback, but Falcons are still in this. Um, so you know, I, I know I just asked you this, but but I mean it this time. Ovi, any final words before we get out of here? No, my brother. I um I, I just want Thursday to come right. sooner than later so we can see the Falcons uh respond. And we're gonna learn a lot about them to see how they respond to such an epic beating. Yep, yep. So uh we will see that on Sun or on Thursday. Uh Ovi and I will figure out offline, I guess, what we plan to do for that game, whether or not we're going to record Thursday night after the game. Um maybe, maybe not. We may record Friday, uh, so you may be getting a weekend version of the podcast after the Falcons-Patriots game on Thursday. And then, of course, the next week, Thanksgiving. So uh, we will let you guys all know when and where you can hear us. Um, but for right now, you can hear us wherever you get your podcasts. This is coming up on Monday. You will have our recap of thursday night's game either on your stream friday or saturday um but please like subscribe let everybody know thank you guys so much for listening um please comment let us know what what you would like let us know what we can do differently uh i mean we we are always open to suggestions this is a learning experience for both ovi and i um and we really appreciate you guys coming along uh on this journey with us but for ovi mihaley i am will mcfadden Thank you guys so much. And as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.